Well, children of God, now can I invite you to open your Bibles and turn to Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And we'll take up the reading in chapter 4. Carl has titled his message this morning, God's Gift to the Church, and you'll find that quite appropriate as we read this passage. The Word of God where it says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I, that's the Apostle Paul, urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, Ben. Uh, can I just say welcome this morning? If, uh, if you're visiting here this morning, it's uh, great to have you with us. I'm Carl and uh, I'm the, the pastor here. And uh, you've joined us in the middle of a series, or at the end really, of a series uh, on the church and what the church is. Uh, We've been going through for about six weeks now, thinking about uh, the nature of the church, Uh, and we've seen how the church this side of Jesus' return will always be a mixed church, uh, a church full of both uh, true Christians and people who are deceived, uh, who call themselves Christians but who aren't. We've seen how the church will always be under threat from uh, evil people who, who want to use the church for their own gain uh, and for their own advantages. We've seen that uh, the ministry in the church and of the church is cross and resurrection shaped. 
We've seen that the church is comprised not of people whose names are on a membership role, uh, but uh, of people who are reconciled to Christ through Jesus' death, uh, reconciled to God through Jesus' death, and transformed into the image of Jesus. Uh, and we've seen that the chief task of the church is to love God, to love the church, to love our neighbour and to make and train disciples of Jesus. And we've seen that we fulfil those tasks and those roles as we gather and as we scatter throughout the world. Well, this morning uh, I want to finish uh, this, this kind of thinking about the church by looking at God's wonderful and amazing gifts which he gives to us as his people to be able to do the task and the ministry which he's given us to do. We're going to be looking at Ephesians, but like over the last few weeks, we're going to be going around all over the place and reading bits and pieces here and there. I guess the most obvious place to start is really just with the simple statement that God gives gifts to the church. Look at verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, It says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Uh, Or listen to these words from 1 Corinthians 12. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit and he gives them to each one just as he has determined. All these words from 1 Corinthians 7, I wish that all men were as I am, says Paul, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift and another that. Who receives these gifts? Paul says God gives, them, God gives them to everybody, to everybody in the church, to each one as Christ apportioned it, to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. He gives them to each one just as he determines and each one has his own gift. Like so often uh, I think the truth is not hard to see or hard to understand but the trick is I think to believe it. So easily we think that God has left us unequipped for the ministry that he's called us to. Uh, Invariably, uh, people give up on their ministries in the church because they feel inadequate and incompetent and hopeless and ineffective. We might give up on Sunday school leading, we might give up on service leading, we might give up on uh, being on the washing up roster because we feel that we're not able to contribute, that we're not gifted in those areas. But I don't know if I've ever met, and maybe you've never met anyone like this either, have you ever met anyone who said, I feel tremendously gifted for this ministry and I feel that I have everything that I need to do this task? Nobody ever speaks like that, do they? And yet, actually, that's the reality. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I always thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched 
in every way, in all your speaking and in all your knowledge, because our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you. And here it is, Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly await our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. The Corinthians were suffering from gift envy. They looked around and and there were some people in the church who seemed to have really spectacular gifts and other people felt really inferior and inadequate and ill-equipped. And Paul says to them, God says to them through Paul, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that we have every gift that's available or that there's no room for growth or that there's no point in asking for greater gifts or for for more gifts, for more usefulness, for more effectiveness. But it does mean that at this point in time in the ministries that God has given you to do, he's given you everything that you need to do them. He's put you there and he's given you the gifts to do that ministry. I might have told you uh, this story before, I can't remember, but I remember listening to uh, a pastor once uh, who'd been a minister in a church. He'd taken over from uh, another minister and his predecessor had been this, uh, this wonderfully hospitable kind of gregarious people person. He was immensely charismatic uh, and he wasn't those things at all. And, uh, and he spent the first five years or so of his ministry in that church wondering why God had not made two of his predecessor and instead made one of him and, and one of the other guy. Why had he put him in this place and, and, and made him so useless? Until he realised that that wasn't right at all actually, that God had put him there and God had given him exactly the gifts that he needed to do that ministry. Don't make uh, the mistake of thinking that those gifts are just our personal skills. The gifts that God gives us are not just skills and talents and abilities but people and opportunities as well. We'll see that a bit later in a bit more detail but, but here's the message. If you're struggling in a ministry, if you're struggling in the ministry of being a parent and bringing your children up in the way of the Lord, if you're struggling in whatever ministry it might be, here's the truth. God has given you the gifts to do the tasks that he's given you to do. He's put you there and your responsibility is to fan those gifts into flame and to use them and to believe that God is able to use you to do that ministry. If that's true at the individual level, then that's true at the church level as well. God has given to us as a church the gifts that we need to do to do the ministry that he's called us to do as a church. Uh, that doesn't mean, I don't think, that uh, every program in the church and every ministry will always, uh, you know, every position will always be filled. But I think it means that whatever the ministry is, God has given us the people and the gifts that we need and sometimes maybe we have to be creative about reshaping those those ministries and and reshaping the way that we do them. But the truth is that God has given us the gifts and we need to believe that and to believe that he can use us to do the task he's given us. Well, God gives us gifts. He gives gifts to the church. Uh, But the next thing to notice, I guess, 
is that God gives all kinds of different gifts. Uh, Look at uh, Ephesians 4 verse 7 again. Paul says, To each one of us grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is, God has given different gifts and different amounts to different people according to his own wisdom. Uh, We saw the same thing in the words we read from 1 Corinthians 12 before. God gives the one spirit to everyone who trusts in Jesus, but the manifestations of the spirit, of the gifts of the spirit, work out differently in in different people's lives. Uh, Here's what Paul says in Romans 12. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him uh, encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Or these words from 1 Peter 4, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. So there are all kinds of gifts, that's the point. There are lots of different kinds of gifts. There are gifts of prophesying in tongues, Uh, We'll leave for another day what they might be. Uh, There are gifts of serving, there are gifts of teaching, there are gifts of encouraging, uh, contributing to the needs of others, leadership, showing mercy. Uh, There's all kinds of different gifts, but the gifts are not just skills either. either. Uh, So in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul talks about his singleness as God's gift to him. And likewise, he speaks about marriage as God's gift to other people. Uh, the gift is not a, simply a special skill in, in being married or being single, but it's the opportunity that those positions afford to do different kinds of ministry. Ministry in a family, in a marriage, or ministry uh, more focused on the church, perhaps. The long and the, and the short of it is, is that there are all kinds of different gifts and God gives them to different people, not as we determine, but as God determines. The temptation that the Corinthian church faced and the temptation that we face, I think, is to elevate some gifts above others. But for Paul, every gift uh, was important. Uh, One of the most interesting lists, I think, in the New Testament, interesting list of gifts is in uh, the end of 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, And what's interesting about the list is what Paul puts together. Uh, He writes, uh, and in the church God is... First appointed, appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles and those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. What I love about that list is that sandwiched in the middle of these kind of spectacular things like apostleship and uh, you know, gifts of healing is the gift of administration and the gift of helping others and even the gift of teaching. What we might consider quite mundane gifts 
But there they are in Paul's list of gifts that God has given to the church. In fact, I suspect that says more about what we make of the other gifts than it does about those gifts themselves. But how peculiar that some churches should elevate things like the gift of tongues, whatever that might be, and not the gift of administration. That there shouldn't be whole churches revolving around that wonderful gift of administration. No, Paul says that that would be wrong to elevate one gift above any other because all God's gifts in all their fabulous variety are given to the church for the church to be built up. Uh, I think one of the most moving things about the church is actually its fabulous diversity. Uh, I think, I, I don't know about you, maybe you feel this way as well, uh, I feel hopelessly ungifted uh, and so I love it. I, there are just some things that I can't do and I love it that there are some people who can pour a concrete slab you know, and, and, and bake things for after church and you know, build houses and, and put cables you know, in, in, in houses. I just think that's wonderful. You might think that's mundane and ordinary, but actually those things are God's gifts to us. They're God's gifts to us and to the church. And one of the great pleasures in life, I think, is to give thanks to God for the gifts that he's given to the church. So God gives gifts, God gives all kinds of different gifts, But in Ephesians chapter 4 we discover that one of the very important gifts which God gives to the church is the gift of church leadership. In uh, verses 7 and 8 of of Ephesians chapter 4, Paul has been saying that through Jesus these gifts have been given. But what's interesting is that in this particular passage, instead of going on on to talk about kinds of skills like uh, gifts of administration and speaking and all those kinds of things, he goes to talk on about particular roles and and in particular the roles of church leadership. So look at verse 11. Uh, What are these gifts that God has given to the church? Well, verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. I always feel controversial uh, talking about church leadership uh, because our society is so... Uh, heavily democratised and egalitarian. We're so, uh, so deeply committed to the ideas of absolute equality uh, and also the ideas uh, of absolute equal say. We're so committed to those ideas that the idea of leadership and authority in the church is, is kind of abrasive. But if we reject uh, church leadership, we actually reject one of God's great gifts to the church. God has not only given all kinds of different gifts to the church at large, Paul says, but he's also given to the church uh, particular people and and in particular roles and offices to equip the church uh, to use their gifts. He mentions first uh, the apostles and the prophets. Uh, Paul has said early in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. 
Uh, the idea seems to be that the church is built on the message uh, of those two groups of people. So the message of the, of the New Testament apostles, the Twelve and Paul, uh, and then either the Old Testament prophets or uh, the New Testament prophets, so like the writers of the New Testament who weren't apostles, so people like James and uh, Luke and Mark who wrote Gospels. So the church is built on them and on their message. God has also given uh, evangelists, we thought a little bit about them last week. They're the ones who carry on that sent ministry of the, of the apostles. God has also given pastors and teachers, which seems to be not two categories but, but really one. They're, they're pastor teachers. When we think of pastors, we tend to, to think of the pastor. So I am the pastor. People call me the pastor. But actually in the Bible, uh, the pastors are the elders. So pastor is... There's a Latin word which means to shepherd and this uh, Greek word there as well in, in verse 11 is that same word. It's talking about shepherding. The, uh, God gives shepherds to the church. So Paul uh, says in Acts chapter 20 verse 28, uh, he says to the elders, shepherd the church of God. Uh, the, the elders are the ones, they're the, the pastors if you like of the church, the pastor teachers and uh, the elders are the ones who are able to teach. So if you look at the elders and deacons in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, the, the difference between the two is that they're both to be godly, but the one characteristic that the elders are supposed to have that the deacons don't necessarily need to have is that the elders are able to teach. So God has given these apostles and prophets, these evangelists and also these pastor teachers, these four groups of people why has he given them to the church? He's given them to the church to equip the saints to use their gifts that God has given them as well. The first group, the apostles and the prophets, they train us from a distance. They're not here with us today but their words are with us today and as we use the words, their words, which God is, uh, their words from God which have been written down and preserved for us, as we use those we're equipped to use the gifts that God has given us. That's quite an amazing uh, statement really that if you use this book, this simple book of words that, that trains us to use the gifts that God has uh, given us. That's what Paul says to Timothy. If you use this book, it will equip you for every good work. The second group are the evangelists and pastor teachers equip us more directly. Uh, the evangelists, as we saw last week, are the people appointed and sent out by the church for this evangelistic ministry. But as they do that, as they carry that on, they equip and inspire the rest of us to share the gospel in the ways that we can, in the places that we are. And that's also true of the pastors. Uh, the pastors equip us uh, to, uh, to, to use the gifts that God has given us by teaching and training us uh, to use those gifts. There was an idea going around a few years ago that the role of a pastor was to do himself out of a job, uh, you know, to, to train people so well that he was superfluous. But actually that's a bit of a silly idea in some ways because what Paul is saying is that actually pastors and evangelists uh, and teachers are God's gift to the church to be received as gifts to the church uh, in order to equip us 
to do the ministry that God has given us. I hope, uh, this is a bit of a strange thing to say I suppose, but I, because I'm one of them, <laughs> but I hope you love the elders of this church. Uh, and if you're visiting from another church, I hope you love the elders of the church where you come from. That can be difficult at times, can't it? Because uh, their sin and our sin uh, can make it hard to love them and we need to keep repenting of that. But even despite that, I hope you love the elders in our church or in your church because they are God's gift to us. Whether we like it or not, whether or not we think they're as effective as they could be, whether there are things undone that ought to be done, the truth is, what Paul is saying, is that they're God's gift to us to help us to use the gifts that God has given us to build the church. So, God gives gifts to the church through Jesus. God gives all kinds of different gifts God gives church leaders to equip us to use our gifts. The last thing that we're going to think about briefly is the reason that God gives us all these gifts. In, uh, in verse, 14, uh, verse 13, rather, Paul gives the reason for these gifts to the church. He says God gives church leaders to equip the saints until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Or have a look uh, at verse 14 onwards. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The point of God giving gifts to the church is so that the church might be built up, so the church might do its ministry, so that we will speak the truth in love, so that when every crazy new doctrine comes around we won't be led astray, so that we'll grow up into the image of Christ, so that we'll grow in love for each other as we do our part the part that God has given us to do. It's easy to forget, I think, when we think about gifts and talk about gifts, that the reason God has given them to us is not for us and for our benefit as individuals, but for our benefit as the church. It's not first and foremost about me finding my place and me finding something to do, but it's about the church and the growth of Jesus' body. I think singleness, uh, the gift of singleness, is a great example of that. Some people choose singleness for the sake of the kingdom and and that's a wonderful thing to do uh, and I wish more people would choose singleness for the sake uh, of the kingdom. But some people also have singleness thrust upon them and some people feel as though singleness is a deep blight on their existence. They would love to get married and they feel inadequate because they're not. But God's message actually is that singleness and your singleness is God's gift to the church. (laughs) It might not feel like God's gift to you 
but it's God's gift to the church. It actually might make your life more difficult in some ways. But God's given you that gift so that you can love the church and build the church. That doesn't mean it's wrong to want to get married or to seek to get married, but it does mean that you ought to be thankful now for the opportunity to love God's church in a special way. And of course the opposite is true for married people as well, isn't it? You might feel, uh, the temptation I think is, is to feel perhaps that marriage and children are an obstacle to ministry. If you think that a good place to start is by repenting and asking for God's forgiveness for thinking like that. And the next step is to realise that your marriage and your family are actually God's gift to the church to help you to love the church in a special way. Take another example. You might hate, the, uh, hate organising and administrating and things like that and yet you also happen to be kind of preposterously good at it and so you're caught in this kind of wedge between you know, what you enjoy and what you're actually good at. Well, the truth is, even if you hate it, God has given you those gifts so that you can love and serve the church. And that is a blessing to you and to us. And if you enjoy it, well, that's just a double blessing, isn't it? Now, you see, God has given us gifts through Jesus. He's given to each of us all different kinds of gifts, but he's given gifts to every one of us. He's given us the gift of church leadership to equip the saints. He's given us gifts so that we can build up the church so that the body of Christ might reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, thank you for your wonderful gifts of grace and kindness to the church. Lord, thank you that to every one of us uh, who have been called according to your purpose through Jesus Christ, uh, to each of us you've given us your Holy Spirit uh, according to your wisdom and according to your plan. Lord, help us to be thankful, each one of us, for what you have given to us Uh, Lord, whether it's spectacular or unspectacular, Lord, help us to be thankful and help us to trust in whatever situation we are and whatever tasks you've given us to do, help us to trust that you've given us everything that we need in terms of skills and resources and talents to be able to do the ministry that you want us to do. Lord, thank you for uh, uh, leaders and elders and Uh, who equip us. Lord, thank you for the elders in our church. Lord, uh, we pray that you would uh, help us to love them. Lord, we pray that you would be with them and help them to do their ministry effectively and with great love and with great patience and with great zeal and fervour. Lord, we pray that as they do that, that each one of us will be equipped to, to use the gifts you've given us. And Lord, we pray that as we do that, that your body would grow. Lord, not just our church, though Lord we pray for that, but we pray that your church in Launceston would grow 
and that your church would grow through Tasmania and through Australia and throughout the world. And Lord, we pray it not for our own glory but so that Jesus Christ might uh, be glorified uh, throughout the whole world. Father, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.